What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. And as you can probably tell by the title of the Facebook Live video and the title of the show on the Spotify version, where you can find the Spotify version of the show, March Madness is finally here! Yay! Most wonderful time of the year in the minds of a lot of sports fans out there. And the NCAA Tournament Committee has just released the 68-team bracket for the upcoming NCAA Tournament, which begins on Tuesday, I believe. And so, what I'm going to be, what I'm going to be doing today is, I'm just, I'm not, well, let me tell you what I'm not going to be doing, because I've not even begun to start thinking about picking these games, and just based on what some of these matchups are, just pick, I can already tell that the process of picking them is going to make my head hurt, like, a lot. And I will be pointing out those matchups that are going to be so hard to pick here in a few minutes. But with that being said, what I am going to be doing is I'm just going to be giving a quick little rundown of each particular region and what some of the toughest matchups in those regions are. And just some basic takeaways that I have from each of the particular regions of the NCAA tournament. The South, West, East, and Midwest regions. But again, no picks, because even I have not even started filling out my bracket, but just, again, as I've said, just by looking at some of these regions and these matchups, I can already tell that I'm going to have my hands full tonight. And so, let's go ahead and get to it, shall we? Starting with the South region, and the number one overall seed in the tournament, the Alabama Crimson Tide, who have been, and I can't believe that I'm going to say it this way, but you know what, I guess I'm going to go ahead and say it this way, and it may seem a little bit insensitive in light of recent events, but the Alabama Crimson Tide have been absolutely killing it all season long. And when you look at the way they played in the SEC Tournament Championship game against Texas A&M today, obviously you can see why they have a very strong case at the number one overall seed. And in the first round, they will be taking on the 
winner of the first four matchup between Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and Southeast Missouri State. And obviously, just by looking at that matchup, particular matchup on paper, you can assume that the Tide are going to roll into the second round. And I guess saying that so in a way sort of contradicts my earlier statement of me not making any picks on this show, but I think I'm just going to go ahead and come out and say this. We can all assume that all of the number one seeds will be marching on to the second round. They will be taking on what we, well, we can all assume Alabama will be taking on the winner of Maryland and West Virginia, which is a little bit of a toughie based on those two teams coming out of two of the toughest leagues in the country. Of course, Maryland coming out of the Big Ten and West Virginia coming out of the Big 12. So two toughies. Two tough teams are in line for a first-round matchup. Then you have the 5-12 matchup of San Diego State, the five-seed, a very veteran team coming out of the Mountain West. They will be taking on the College of Charleston, the 12-seed in the first round. Uh, moving on to the 413, this one could be a little bit of a toughie. Uh, the four seed Cavaliers of Virginia will be taking on the 13th seeded Furman Paladins in the first round. Um, this, then you have the 611 matchup. And in a way, I cannot even believe that. NC State is in over Vanderbilt. NC State finds themselves in as the 11 seed. And just to get this quick little sidebar out of the way before I go any further into all of these other matchups, is that I cannot believe, and for those of you who know me well enough, you know that I am in no way a Vanderbilt Commodores fan, but just by watching them, especially down the stretch on the run they had in the SEC tournament, advancing all the way to the semifinals of the SEC tournament before losing to Texas A&M. And taking that into account, and taking into account the fact that they had, I think I heard Coach Stack say that they had 13 wins in the SEC. They won, I believe, 10 out of the last 11 regular season wrongs, regular season games, excuse me. <clears throat> 
down the stretch. And for uh, for any of you Vanderbilt Commodore, Commodore, I don't know why I can't talk today for some reason, but for any of you Vanderbilt Commodores fans out there who happen to be watching or listening to this, feel free to correct me in the comment section, but I believe Vandy won 10 out of their last 11 regular season games or something like that leading up to the tournament. Two wins, two of those wins came against Kentucky, who was, I believe, a sixth seed. The fact that Vanderbilt is not in this field is absolutely mind-boggling to me. I do not know how Vandy, with the resume that they put together down this stretch, especially when you look at who was put into the tournament and who was left out of the tournament, is really something that I can't get past. But I guess the lack of overall wins was something that the committee took a good long look at as it relates to Vanderbilt. And so, again, even with that being said, I just can't believe that Vandy's on the outside looking in. They're probably going to be a threat in the NIT, in the NIT tournament, but of course, at the end of the day, we all know what NIT really stands for, don't we? But, and that's the bottom line in that regard. But, NC State finds themselves where Vandy probably could be in the South region. The Wolfpack will be taking on the Creighton Blue Jays, who are the sixth seed coming out of the Big East. Uh, they will get the winner of the 314 matchup between the Baylor Bears, very competitive team, and the 14th seeded Gauchos of the University of California at Santa Barbara. And just to round out the South region very quickly in the 7-10 matchup, this is one of those games that I'm going to stay up all night struggling to pick. The seventh-seeded Missouri Tigers will be taking on the tenth-seeded Utah State Aggies. I believe I have their mascot correctly, but one of the things that I've noticed about Utah State is that they're, they've been playing very good basketball down the stretch. They can really score and are really going to be a tough matchup, especially against, especially against a team like Mizzou, who you can definitely tell is the arrow is pointed up in the right direction based on the way they played in the 
SEC tournament. Obviously, we all saw what happened against Alabama in the SEC tournament semifinals. And again, I'm going to use this term, even though it may be a little bit insensitive in light of recent events, but judging by some of the t-shirts that certain individuals wore at the SEC tournament this weekend, I think I have maybe a little bit of leeway in saying this, is that Alabama absolutely killed Missouri in that SEC tournament semifinal matchup. And even with that being said, Mizzou is going to be a tough out for anybody in the NCAA tournament, but they do find themselves in the South region as the number seven seed. Moving on to the Midwest region, where the number two overall seed in the tournament, the number one seed in the Midwest region, the Houston Cougars, find themselves. And even that being said is something that is hard for me to believe because I was watching the American Conference Championship game today and, of course, Marcus Sasser, the big-time playmaker for the Houston Cougars, sat this one out due to an injury. And, obviously, anyone watching that game could tell that his presence was sorely missed. Obviously, we can hope, and certainly the Houston Cougars hope this is the case, that Marcus Sasser is able to step in and play for Houston as they open up against 16-seeded Northern Kentucky. But if the injury is so severe that it hinders his play, in that opening game in any way, then I think that Houston could possibly see an early exit in the NCAA tournament. Again, I'm not saying that is my pick. I'm saying that is what could happen. And for those of you uh, hoping to pick my brain in some way as you prepare your brackets and are hoping that, oh, Jim's going to slip up and say that this team's going to lose or this team's going to win. It ain't going to happen, just to let you know that all of those picks are, in fact, very much confidential until the round of 64 begins play on Thursday, but... With that being said, Houston is certainly hoping that they're not going to be an easy out, but I'm just saying that it could, to some degree, happen. Uh, they, the winner of that game, which in all likelihood will be the Houston Cougars, will be taking on the winner of the 8-9 matchup, Iowa and Auburn. 
And again, that's one of those games that is probably going to be making my head hurt tonight. Uh, moving on to the 5-12, the Miami Hurricanes, the number five seed, will be, t will be taking on Drake. Uh, not, not the rapper, obviously, just to go ahead and make that clear. They are the 12th seeded Drake Bulldogs. I believe that's their mascot. Again, with with all of these mid with some of these mid mid major teams, I may uh, slip up when it comes to their mascot, just based on the fact that we really don't hear that much from them during the season until we get to March. But obviously, we all know what happens when they and we get to March. Some of those mascots become a little bit more relevant as we get further and further into the tournament. Just ask the Ramblers of Loyola Chicago and Sister Jean exactly what I mean when I say that. Moving on to the 413 matchup. However, these, these are some teams that are a little bit more well-known than Drake. Uh, the fourth-seeded Indiana Hoosiers will be taking on the Kent State Golden Flashes, who come in as the number 13 seed. Uh, on to the 6-11 matchup in the Midwest region, we have the Iowa State Cyclones taking on the winner of the first four game between Mississippi State and Pitt. And they, the winner of that game will be taking on the winner of the 3-14 matchup between 14th-seeded Kennesaw State and 3rd-seeded Xavier, who... When you look at some of the resumes of some of these teams, Xavier possibly seems a little bit overseeded to me. Obviously, the this is nothing to take away from Xavier at all. They had a phenomenal season, but I guess this is mainly me looking at bracketology from Joe Lenardi over the course of the last several days and weeks, and I'd have to go back and double-check what Joey Brackett's had in his last uh, version of his bracketology, but Xavier was, I believe, a four or a five, if I'm not mistaken, and that is about where... I had them seated in my mind before this bracket was released. So, Xavier just seems like one of those teams who may be a little bit overseeded to me, but maybe they end up proving me wrong. Who knows? It's March. Anything can happen. But, 
they will be taking on Kennesaw State. Moving on to the 7-10 matchup, and this is probably the one that is going to make my head hurt the most. I may even have small migraine, which I have never suffered from, to my knowledge, in my entire life, in my entire almost 28 years of existence. I've never, I've never suffered a migraine, but this matchup, may, picking this matchup may give me one. Uh, it is the 7-10 matchup between 10-seeded Penn State, who was within striking distance of a Big Ten tournament championship, but obviously the, the modern-day Yao Ming, as it were, Zach Eady, and the Purdue Boilermakers obviously had other plans. I'll get to uh, Sask. I'll get to the Purdue Boilermakers and Sasquatch Zach Eady and their matchup a little bit more in detail here in a minute. But Penn State nearly knocked off Zach Eady, which again. When you look at how big Zach Eady is, is not a very easy thing to do. It is a very tall task to do so. God, I'm, I'm just the jo the jokes, the Zach Eady jokes are practically writing themselves at this point. But Penn State will be taking on the seventh seeded Aggies of Texas A&M, who Alabama sort of, again, killed today, but really pulled away from at the end of that game in particular. Alabama was actually beaten by Texas A&M during the regular season, believe it or not. But... This one, this matchup is going to keep me up at night. And for those of you who feel the need to check up on my what the status of my mental health is by the end of the night, I encourage you to do so. I'm just joking about that last part, of course. But that matchup is going to be keeping me up at night. The winner of that game will be taking on the winner of the 215 matchup between the second seeded Texas Longhorns and 15th seeded Colgate. Not the not I want to make this clear, not the Colgate brand toothpaste by the way. Uh, moving on to the West region. Sorry about that pause. I just had to remember exactly which one of these number one seeds was the third overall or fourth overall seed and vice versa because the reason why 
that is significant is obviously for those of you who, who are familiar with the bracket, the reason that is significant is just for final four purposes. If all four of the top number one seeds were to make it to the final four, which really almost never happens, but they have to seed everybody that way just based on technicality purposes. Uh, so in the West region, the top-seeded Kansas Jayhawks, who came up short in the Big 12 tournament title game, but when you look at their resume, obviously they are far and away good enough to be a number one seed. They will be taking on Howard in the 116 matchup. They will get the winner of eight-seeded Arkansas and ninth-seeded Illinois. So we could very well, and again, I'm not saying this is one of my picks, but we could be looking at a second round matchup between Kansas and Arkansas, which could be very interesting. Arkansas, uh, as I've said on this show before, has been, found a way to make it to three consecutive Elite Eights over the past three NCAA tournaments, and so they're a tough out for pretty much anybody if the must bus can find a way to get things rolling into this NCAA tournament. The 5-12 matchup, St. Mary's, the five seed, will be taking on Virginia Commonwealth, the number 12 seed in the West region, and then you go on to the 4-13 matchup, the 13th-seeded Gales of Iona, who could be looking for a new head coach at the end of the NCAA tournament, depending on what Rick Pitino decides to do, but he is going to be leading his Iona team up against UConn, the number four seed in the West region. The 6-11, the TCU Horned Frogs. And a lot, a lot of you who may remember back during the football season and the college football playoff, I referred to TCU as the Horned Frauds and not the Horned Frogs. Uh, and, and while that may be the have been the case in football, that is very much not the case in basketball. TCU is very much a competitive basketball team. Uh, they will be taking on the winner of Arizona State or Nevada. And again, I cannot believe that Arizona State and Nevada got put into this tournament while Vanderbilt, the Vanderbilt Commodores will be 
at home, well, they won't be at home watching the tournament necessarily. I would assume they'd be a top seed in the NIT technically, technically speaking, but as the, as the saying goes, Arizona State and Nevada will be playing in the tournament while Vanderbilt will essentially be at home watching. And again, I cannot believe that that is the case. Uh, the winner of that game will be taking on Gonzaga and Grand Canyon in the 314 matchup. Moving on to the bottom of the bracket here, the very bottom of the bracket, the seven-seeded Northwestern Wildcats will be taking on the Boise State Broncos, who are finding themselves in the West region as the number 10 seed. And they will be taking on the winner of UCLA and UNC Asheville in the second round once they inevitably get to the second round. Now, moving on to the East region and the aforementioned Sasquatch, who is going to be a tall task for anybody who seeks to knock out the modern-day Yao Ming and his Purdue Boilermakers. Again, I'm, I'm cracking myself up with the Zach Eady jokes. That's just how big the man is. Just Google Zach Eady and tell me that this man does not resemble Yao Ming or Sasquatch or... insert tall person's name here. That's just how much of a fr much of a freak Zach Eady is. I mean, my gosh, the, the man is seven foot four. It's unbelievable. He's a unicorn. But, uh, oh my gosh, the Joe, I could spend... As soon as I get done doing my bracket tonight, what I may end up doing is I may, on a separate sheet of paper, come up with a running list of Zach Eady jokes. That's just how freakishly large of a human being this man is. And I say that knowing that while I could come up with a long list of jokes about Zach Eady, he is, his play on the court is very much not something to joke about. I mean, the man, the man put up a 30-piece today, scored 30 points in the... Purdue Boilermakers win over Penn State in the Big Ten Tournament Championship game. And so 
he's obviously going to be. And now that I've finally gotten all of the jokes out of my system about Zach Eady, uh, predict. And it's not all him, obviously. You've also got some playmakers in the backcourt for Purdue that can make some moves as well. But Purdue's obviously going to be a tall... Oops, caught myself making a a Zach Eady joke, almost. But Purdue's obviously going to be a tough out for anybody. Uh, They will be taking on the winner of the first four matchup between Fairleigh Dickinson and Texas Southern. In the 8-9 matchup, you have the Memphis Tigers taking on the Florida Atlantic Owls. Memphis looked very good today. And I'm not very familiar with... uh, Florida Florida Atlantic's season, although what I can say, uh, knowing full well that this is the case, and I'm not making this up, they did struggle with my, my alma mater, Middle Tennessee State, uh, during the regular season and in the tournament, MTSU knocked the Owls off during the regular season and nearly knocked them off in the, I believe, the semifinals of the Conference USA tournament. So while FAU finds themselves as a sort of high, one of the higher seeded mid-majors, maybe they're not as strong as they're made out to be or maybe, maybe MTSU was a little bit tougher this season than a lot of people made them out to be at the start of the season. And again, those two games could be anomalies. They may not be anomalies. But either way, true blue nonetheless. Uh, Moving on to the 5-12 matchup between the fifth-seeded Duke Blue Devils, who, when you look at the way the Dukies, as I channel the great Dick Vitale, when I say that, the Dukies, when you look at the way they played down the stretch, maybe 